Well, this morning, if you would, I'm going to have you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look this morning at the second part of verse 14, Ephesians chapter 6, and the second part of verse 14. Before I begin this morning, let me just say a couple things real quickly here. One, just a quick update on my own uh, back condition and the reason I'm still sitting down here is the healing process is coming along very well. And uh, I've been advised I just need to take it easy and let the healing process run its full course. But I am not. I am not going to need surgery, and so that's a good thing. And Lord willing, Lord willing, I don't want to presume upon his grace, but Lord willing, this will be the last Sunday that I'll sit down here. Um, Next week we have the King's Brass coming, and... uh, And then the week after that will be July 7th. And so my goal is that on July 7th, I'll be back up at the pulpit and be able to put all of this uh, behind me. But thank you for your prayers, and I am grateful for the grace and mercy of God. Secondly, I want to mention this morning, last week, I mentioned Preston and Stephanie Nichols and how they are seeking churches to connect with. And this week, if you've looked at the bulletin, Uh, We have put an announcement in there for them. Uh, They are looking forward to that time when they will eventually go to the mission field uh, as missionaries sent out from our church. And uh, besides raising their monthly support, they have some one-time financial needs that they have. And they are beginning to raise money for those one-time setup costs. And that will include their travel costs when they go to the field for passports, visas, plane tickets, other related costs. That will include the setup of their new home and uh, establishing their new ministry. And so if you think, wow, that's something I'd like to give to. I mean, that sounds like on a one-time basis I could do that. Um, The information for giving uh, to that is in the bulletin this morning. And so all the information is there. If you have any questions, certainly call the church office and let us know or talk with Preston and Stephanie about it. Uh, But we wanted to bring that before you, not only in the bulletin, but by way of me uh, announcing it this morning. Well, we come to Ephesians 6.14 this morning. We are looking now at each piece of the armor of God. I've been preaching through the book of Ephesians We come in Ephesians 6 to that important section on spiritual warfare in the armor of God found in verses 10 through 20. And as I mentioned, we're looking at each piece of armor one piece at a time because this is such an important subject and one I don't want to just go through quickly. And so let me read for you verses 10 through 14 of Ephesians 6. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And that's our subject this morning, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, our first point this morning is a real and dangerous enemy. I've mentioned this before over the years, and I want to mention it again. My personal thought here, I think we need to read through the book of Revelation often to remind us of the kind of enemy we are fighting against. I think the book of Revelation plays a very important role, or should play a very important role, in the life of every Christian. Now, when we come to the book of Revelation, it is easy for us to kind of get caught up in the idiosyncrasies of particular prophetic utterances in Revelation. How is this prophecy going to be fulfilled? When is the Antichrist going to come, etc.? And those things are important. Don't misunderstand me. Those things are important. But sometimes that becomes our sole focus when we read the book of Revelation. But the book of Revelation is also a tremendous book about the reality and intensity of spiritual warfare. And when we come to the book of Revelation, we see this great battle taking place between God and his angelic army and Satan and his demonic army. Let me give you just one small example. Just listen. Just listen as I read from Revelation 12. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth, but woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Someday in the end times, in the tribulation and in the great tribulation, evil is going to run rampant upon the earth. We may think that our world is evil now, and it is, but someday... Someday when God removes the restraining influence of the Holy Spirit, men will see the full force of wickedness upon the earth. And all of us, every single one of us here this morning, including me, me at the top of the list, need to know that Satan and his army of demons is a vicious band of evil warriors who have set out to terrorize the world and to attack the people of God. It ought to frighten you. This morning, it ought to frighten you to even think of trying to live without putting on the armor of God. That's what I want to impress upon you in this kind of series within a series. It ought to frighten you to even think of trying to live the Christian life without putting on the armor of God. You are defenseless and helpless in your own power and strength. 
And so the Apostle Paul pleads with us in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Last Sunday morning, I shared with you a lengthy explanation of the belt of truth. The belt of truth is an all-out commitment, total abandonment to the full authority of the word of God. It is you committing yourself to the inerrant, inspired, infallible word of God. And as I shared with you last week, you cannot put on the rest of the armor until you have first put on the belt of truth. You need to know the truth about God. You need to know the truth about Christ and about his work of salvation. You need to know the truth embodied in God's word, God's word, the Bible. But that brings us to our second point and to the breastplate of righteousness. What was the breastplate of the Roman soldier? Many pictures online, if you happen to look it up sometime, of what that breastplate might have looked like for a Roman soldier. The breastplate was that part that covered the soldier's body from the neck all the way down to the thighs. And if you've seen one of those Roman breastplates before, they were made of metal for the most part. It was very tightly molded, almost taking the shape of the front of their body. And then it had straps on the top that would hold on the back of the breastplate and also tighten the breastplate so that it would become very tight upon the soldier's upper body. So it consisted of those two parts, that one solid piece on the front, then the shoulder straps and the back piece and the shoulder straps that would actually tighten that breastplate together. And the warrior without his breastplate was dangerously exposed to the enemy and could easily be killed because his vital organs were exposed an arrow to the heart, a sword to the lungs, a knife to the intestines would immediately kill him, would immediately snuff out his life. When we are told as believers to put on the breastplate of righteousness, we are being called to live a life of righteousness. We are being called to live a life of righteousness. Let me give you a definition, a very brief definition of the breastplate of righteousness. It is the desire and daily discipline to live a holy life. It is the desire and discipline to live a holy life, a holy life based upon the righteousness of Christ that is ours in him. So, Just as a Roman soldier had to protect his vital organs, you must protect your spiritual heart, the most vital organ that you have. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The heart refers to the thinking process of a man or woman, the core of his or her inner being. 
his or her thoughts and emotions. So when you put on the breastplate of righteousness, you are protecting your thoughts and your emotions. I want you to think about that with me this morning. How many times does spiritual warfare take place in our thought life? We begin to think, can I really trust the Bible? Can I really rely on and trust God? How many people here, I wonder, privately, secretly, have had doubts about your faith? You've gone to war in your mind. What about our emotions? I want each of you to think about how often spiritual warfare takes in with intensity our emotions. If we're all honest here, including me, sometimes our emotions are out of control with fear. Sometimes our emotions are out of control with worry. Sometimes our emotions are out of control with bitterness. How often do we, even as Christians, struggle struggle with bitter thoughts towards someone else? How often are our emotions out of control with anger about something or someone? The vital organ or the vital organs of a Christian are his or her thoughts and emotions. And so we are called to protect our thought life and to protect our emotional life. We are called to put on the breastplate of righteousness. There are three kinds of righteousness referred to in the Bible. The first is natural human righteousness, which is no righteousness at all. In Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, Jeremiah says, The heart is deceitful and beyond cure. Who can know it? The human heart is deceitful and beyond cure. Who can know it? Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, the prophet Isaiah says, All of our righteousness is like filthy rags. In Romans chapter 3, that important section in Romans 3, it says there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks for God. Wow. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands in their natural self. There is no one who seeks for God. There is a second kind of righteousness, perhaps the most important kind. The second is the righteousness of Christ that is transferred to every believer at the time of salvation. When we trust Christ as Savior, when we come to that point in our life where we repent of our sin and receive Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, a great exchange takes place, a great transfer takes place. We give Christ our sins. He gives us his righteousness. There is no greater exchange in all of eternity. We give Christ our sins. He gives us his righteousness. This is also referred to as imputed righteousness. And what that means is we are given an alien righteousness. Alien meaning 
meaning it comes from outside of us. We don't inherently have this. It is not natural to us. It is a righteousness from outside of us that comes to us, and therefore we call it imputed righteousness. It is also known as positional righteousness. When we receive Christ as Savior, our position before God is completely righteous. Our sins are no longer counted against us. We stand before God unbelievably in the pure righteousness of Christ. As I mentioned, this is the great transfer. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Oh, what a verse. What a verse. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We think of Philippians chapter 3 and and, and verse 9 where the apostle Paul says, I want to be found in Christ. Oh, I want to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but a righteousness that is through faith in Christ, a righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Oh, that's the kind of righteousness we want. So the second kind of righteousness is that which is transferred to us at the time of our salvation. But there is a third kind of righteousness, and that is practical righteousness. It is living in practice who you already are in position. This is also known as sanctification. This is the great struggle in the Christian life. I want to live out every day who I actually am in Christ. It is my practice measuring up to my position or matching my position, living out who I actually am in Christ. In order for you to live the kind of life that wins the battle over Satan, you must apply righteous principles to every part of your daily living. Just because you stand righteous in Christ, just because you are covered in the righteousness of Christ, doesn't mean you will live every moment as you should. Your righteousness in Christ only guarantees that you have the power to do so. But you must appropriate, you must live out by faith what the Bible says is yours in Christ. In other words, you have the power to live a righteous life. So live a righteous life. And we appropriate that righteousness through daily choices. Let me say that again. We appropriate that righteousness through daily choices. I love Christ. I am so grateful for who I am in him. So let me live as one who loves him and is in him. John MacArthur says this. I think he puts it well. The basis or the foundation of the breastplate is the imputed righteousness of Christ. But the breastplate itself is only on when we are living a righteous and holy life. Okay, so the basis for the breastplate of righteousness is the imputed righteousness of Christ. But the breastplate itself 
is when we put on a righteous life, a desire and discipline to live out who we actually are. It is the pursuit of holiness. It is the pursuit of being like Christ. We have already seen this in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, we are told, thanks be to God the Father, or thanks be to the, uh, our God and Father, the Lord, uh, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That verse, Ephesians 1, 3, that I said we'll be wrestling with for the rest of our lives, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. And yet, even though that is true, we are told in Ephesians chapter 4, that very section that Andrew quoted in his prayer, very appropriate for this morning. Ephesians 4, verses 22 through 24. To put off your old self. This is what you are commanded to do. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's it. You are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now live like that. By daily choices in your life, live out who you are. Put off the old self and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Again, the breastplate of righteousness is the desire and daily discipline to live a holy life. Well, our third point this morning is the breastplate and the power of God. The Christian wearing the blessed, excuse me, the Christian wearing the breastplate of righteousness is living daily in the power of God. He seeks godliness in every situation. I am righteous in Christ. I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and so I seek righteousness in every situation, in times of joy, in times of sorrow. You can discern that the person with the breastplate of righteousness is different. Whether he is in times of joy or times of sorrow, you can discern that the man or woman with the breastplate of righteousness on, with the breastplate of righteousness on is a different kind of person. He isn't part of the world but stands apart. His life or her life is attractive. And when he speaks... You listen because you know he has a unique quality about his life. That person has the power of God in his life, in his witness. And he has the power of God in his conflict with the evil one, with Satan. This is so important. The person who truly has on the breastplate of righteousness does not get caught up in legalism. It is the Christian who does not try to live his or her life by man-made do's and don'ts 
man-made rules and obligations. The person with the breastplate of righteousness on does not try to push his or her preferences onto you. I may have certain convictions and preferences in my life, but I don't try to force them upon you, especially if they're just personal things that I do in my life. And that's the beauty of this person. They don't need to impress you. They don't need to perform for you. They don't need to prove to you how good or righteous they are. No, it's not that at all. The person with the breastplate of righteousness is so in love with Christ, so thankful to Christ, that every day he just wants to please him. That's the thought here. I'm not doing it because I have this rules of things I'm supposed to do. He doesn't do it because he thinks everybody ought to live their life the way he does. No. He can't believe that he has the righteousness of Christ. He is so thankful. He is so grateful every single day. He is so in love with Christ that he wants to please him with all of his thoughts, with all of his words, and with all of his actions. Folks, that's the breastplate of righteousness. I am so in love with Jesus. I am so grateful to Jesus. And I am. No matter how many times I've failed, no matter how many times I've felt ashamed, I stand in the very righteousness of Christ. And I love him so much. And I am so grateful. I want to please him right now with my thoughts, with my words, and with my actions. And let me tell you, when a man or a woman lives like that, they are attractive. They are. You want to be around them. You want to be like them. You want to learn from them. Listen to what Peter tells us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Oh, that's it. That you will so live like Christ, that you'll be so in love with him, so grateful to him, that you want to please him, and they will see your good deeds and they will glorify God. 1 Peter 2.15 For this is the will of God. Anytime you see that, you ought to perk up. This is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. That's the will of God for you, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. If you are not living a righteous life, you are just another easy target for Satan. When we dabble in sin, When we flirt with sin, we severely damage our breastplate and leave ourselves vulnerable to attack. Even as I shared with you last week, it is very likely that even right now, some of you here 
are doing great spiritual battle with temptation in your life. There is heated spiritual warfare in your life right now over certain temptations of certain areas of your life. And when we don't live with the breastplate of righteousness on, we expose ourselves to the evil one. Dr. D.J. Dr. D. James Kennedy was for many years, he's now home with the Lord, but he was the senior pastor at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. For many years, had a uh, worldwide television ministry, was the founder of the evangelism program, Evangelism Explosion. He once did a survey asking people why they didn't share the gospel with others, why they didn't share their faith with others and he said the number one reason that was given is because I don't feel like my life is worthy enough to want to share my faith with others they were so bogged down in their own sin it just kept them silent why would I want to share what I have my life is so messed up my marriage is so messed up my home is so messed up Why would I want someone else to have what I have? And so we feel shame and we feel guilt and the evil one silences us. Let me tell you one of Satan's big strategies. He wants to defeat you by allowing you to defeat yourself. Satan wants to defeat you by allowing you to defeat yourself. He wants you to live with shame. He wants you to live with guilt. He wants you to be so bogged down in your own sin that you don't have on the breastplate of righteousness and you are robbed of your joy and robbed of your testimony. Oh, I want you to know something important this morning. No matter how many times you failed, And I failed. And Lord knows we have. You are still clothed in the righteousness of Christ. No matter how many things you may feel some shame or guilt about, you stand tall, Christian. Because by faith you need to know that in Christ you are clothed in the very righteousness of Christ. And it is not dependent on how you live. Yes, we want to live a righteous life, but your righteousness is not dependent on something you do. It is yours in Christ at the time of your salvation. Think of the Apostle Peter, whom I just quoted from. Denied the Lord three times. Struggled with his faith. And yet we see Peter at the end of his life writing those two great epistles a bold witness for Christ, a great martyr for the faith, having been martyred, crucified upside down. I think when Peter came toward the end of his life, he knew he was righteous in Christ. No matter what he had done, he was righteous in Christ. We're going to sing in a minute, Rise Up, O Church of God, and I want every one of you who know Christ as Savior to rise up and put on the breastplate of righteousness because you have it. You are 
by faith, you are righteous before God in Christ. So live every day in your thoughts, in your words, in your behavior, in your behaviors. Live like the person you are. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help every one of us to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Thank you. Oh, thank you for our righteousness in Christ. Thank you for the imputed righteousness of Christ. That we gave him our sin and he gave us our, or he gave us his righteousness. Help us to believe and to stand fast in who we are. For we pray these things in the name of our righteous Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.